Hi, I'm Liz Stokel. And I'm Debbie Rude. We're Dancing with Skeletons. We know what it's like to keep our past hidden away, like skeletons in a closet. We also know the healing that comes from acknowledging who we used to be and how much we've learned. So every once in a while, we dance with our skeletons. So come dance with us. Good morning, Liz. Good morning, Debbie. How are you? <laughs> well, I know that we've both kind of had a rough week in some different ways. Um, but in general, I'm doing pretty well. We I, have both had a rough week. Mm -hmm. There's been a, there. It's just been a rough week in general. It's been well. <laughs> it's just been a rough, I'll say, season. But um, but in general, I'm doing better. Good. So I've, I I've made some decisions, you know, turning sixty, and I've I've stuck to those decisions so far. I mean, it's only been a month. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they say if you stick to something for 30 days, it'll start creating a habit. Yeah. And so, or or uncreating a habit. Right, right. right. And so I've been sticking to things. Just one simple thing that I've stuck to is, is I decided that one of the ways that I could separate my home life from my work life is if I created office hours. So... I created office hours for myself. I moved all of my work stuff off of my desk at home and I moved it all into the office here and I created myself a little space so that really? I have a, a desk. Oh my gosh, I love this. And I moved everything that was work related off of my home desk. Yeah. And I moved it here and <clears throat> I've been coming in early, like at eight. So I have an hour and a half or two kind of to myself here right? where I've been able to get things done here that then I don't have to take home later. Oh my gosh. And, you know, it's especially important because you, you run this business with your husband, right. who of course lives in your home. Exactly. <laughs> Which has been tricky. Of course. So, of course. So, you know, we've we've had, you know, our share of, of ups and downs this year because of the the, you know, work life balance. Yeah, it's yeah. just been tricky. So, that's one thing I've done and I've stuck to it. I love it. And um and, and so if you're at home and it's eight o'clock at night, I'm not, you just, you can't, I you, can't, you I, even can't, I can't unless you get in the car and drive over exactly. here, which is not something you want to do. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, I might, I might be able to go open my computer and do something, but in general, yeah, I can't. That's beautiful. And so I've been starting work earlier and doing more. And, and so, so that's been good. I've been getting caught up on some things. I've made some decisions about finishing some projects and just, you know, so those things have been really good. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, this is episode number 75. Wow. So we have stuck with it. Yes, we have. You know, for two for two years, that's, you know, so it's amazing. Episode seven, 75. 75 hours. That's three entire days. I know. Of our whole life. I, I know. Three full <laughs> days three, of three, our, yeah, yeah that's mm -hmm. out there for the, to share with the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Exactly. A little insight into our crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, 
So yeah, so how are you? What are you what's new with you? Um my baby brother had a birthday yesterday. He turned okay. 56. Okay. And we have one sister that's younger than us by a lot. You know, she's the same age as, as my son, so she's 36. But um but but my younger my baby brother turned 56. Okay. Uh, yesterday. And so that was that was lovely. We had a little kind of gathering, you know, just just very small. There's very few of us kind of here, but he, all well, three of his five kids, he does have five kids, but three of his five were there mm. um, along with their children okay. and um, their significant others. And it was, and my mom, uh, you know, who's still around and is 84. And it was just kind of a little delightful little moment, you know. We were nice. only together about an hour and a half, but we hung out and sat by the pool and, you know, ate some pizza and cheesecake. And very yeah, nice. Yeah. Very nice. I introduced my nephew and um, his boyfriend. I introduced them to... Um, uh, they were they were cooking some strawberry, a strawberry puree. So they had it on the stove with strawberries and a little bit of sugar for the to go on top of the cheesecake. And so as they're cooking this, I said, "Have you ever tried adding balsamic vinegar Ooh. and black pepper to the strawberries?" And so he hands me the balsamic and he goes, "Have at it." So I sprinkled in a little bit of balsamic and a little bit of black pepper and. Oh my gosh, so heavenly. That Strawberries, sounds... balsamic, and black pepper. Really? So delicious. I need to take a cookie lesson <laughs> for you. Oh, wait a so, minute. I don't have time. <laughs> so, so delicious. Well, and that's probably where, why there's a lot of things that I don't have time for, as I put in scare quotes, mm-hmm. because I. I do love cooking, and so I know you, you know. Instead of opening up the freezer for lunch, I'll spend two hours preparing something for lunch, and then I'm like, "There's so many other things I should be doing," but I don't because I'm I love cooking. I do love it. Yeah, I know you do. Um, but at the same time, I there I I do need to get better at like sticking things in the freezer or something like that so that I can make time for the other stuff that I truly want to do. Right. I mean. For me, that's been that's always been my thing. Is I just I have so many other things going on that, I mean, and I don't even I just don't think about food. You know, <laughs> I mean, I just don't even I don't think about it. If I'm hungry, oh, I'm hungry. I better find something to eat. I don't plan for it. I don't, you know. I, well, you did though when your kids were young. I right? did. I did more. Yeah. I did that more, but I still didn't do it a lot. We didn't. Okay. We didn't have big elaborate dinners and stuff. Okay. Really okay. didn't. Yeah, when you've got people around, like my husband works from home, so you know he's there. Like, okay, uh, I'm kind of hungry. Is it? You know, he. Truth. If he heard this, he would say, "I don't say that," and he doesn't because I'm. I've got it ready. Yeah. You know. So at twelve thirty or whatever, I'm like, "Lunch is ready." You yeah, know. You're a very good little wife. <laughs> a very good little barefoot and pregnant wife. Yes, that's me. Um, although I will not be getting pregnant unless you see a star in the east. It's not, unless my name gets changed to Sarah. I know, right? Uh, or Sarai. I'm not going to be having a baby. Yeah, no. <laughs> me either. <laughs> It would be a miracle. Thank you, Jesus, for menopause. I never thought I'd be so grateful for menopause, but I kind of am. Right? Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So on this um, 75th episode, you know, our world is still so topsy-turvy. I think, you know, in the last five or six years, we have seen just things that we never thought we'd see in our lifetime, let alone 
at all. Right. You know? Right. Um, so I had a very interesting and lovely conversation with an older man the other day who's who I had met maybe 30, maybe 40 years ago, maybe, you know, close to 40 years mm-hmm. ago. But he doesn't remember me, and okay. I didn't remember meeting him. I mean, I did remember meeting him when I heard his name. I'm like, oh, yeah. we met 30, yeah, you I, know. And but, I think we, you, I know who the man yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, but our paths have crisscrossed, mm-hmm. you know, a thousand times because right. of what he does. Right. He's involved in media and I'm an actor and we, our lives have just crisscrossed and we all know the same people and, you know, and he showed me some beautiful pictures going back to the 70s of interviews being done with uh, Ronald Reagan and, you know, just it was, and all the local celebrities in this town whose names you would know and, you know, people would know mm-hmm. who've grown up here, um, including the actor who played Ronald McDonald. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and his lovely wife was a dancing raisin. Yes. So if anybody remembers any of those characters. Um, but anyway, so he was just this lovely man. And we got to talking about what is the most is the, the worst problems in our country and the most divisive problems in our country. Mm-hmm. And those are conversations that are very interesting. Um, to have with people that you don't know. And we were at this outdoor concert where my husband was playing. So while the music's going on, we had some, while the band was setting up, actually, we had an hour-long conversation that was just delightful. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, delightful. Yeah. Yeah. And so we didn't solve any problems, but we we just, it, it was nice to talk yeah. And to listen. Yeah. You know, to have a give and take conversation was sure. just inspiring. Right. You know? Right. So tell me, what do you think some of the, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about what he said, but what do you think some of our most challenging challenges are in this country right, right now? Well, I mean, there's some obvious things, you know. I mean, there's just. The fact that, you know, we're, we have so much gun violence and there's all of that. Um, And so I I wanted to, because I've been thinking about, you know, what do I think are the biggest challenges? And the gun violence thing is pretty much in everyone's face. And it's such a polarized um, topic. I know. And I don't quite understand that. If I'm honest, I don't understand why the polarization. It just seems so obvious. But, but what I want to say is a problem is, is that I feel is one of the main problems. A lot of people have been relating what I'm going to say to the gun violence problem, and I don't think they're necessarily related. Um, and that is, I feel that me- the mental health crisis in our country is one of the biggest problems and so many people want to blame the gun violence on people who have mental illness and I think it's pretty clear that while yeah some of the profiles of the young men who they've done there might be some mental illness um which so many of them are young mm -hmm. white men and it's just you just got to say, wait a minute, we've got to look and see what's happening. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I feel that if, if 
And I feel like there's a stigma attached to mental illness even still in our country. So in other words, if you say to somebody, I have anxiety or I struggle with depression and anxiety, which is a mental health Mm-hmm. problem mm-hmm. right it's not right. something that's unsolvable right you know there are mental health issues that are much more hard to solve than others mm-hmm. um, but it's oftentimes dismissed and you can just change that you can just think that away you can just fix that on your own there's everything from pray it away, you know, right. you need to pray more, you need to change your diet, you need to exercise. Right. I mean, there's very, the people are very dismissive yeah. of these very real health problems. And I don't think you would say that to somebody who, you, uh, you know, had cancer. You wouldn't. Absolutely not. Or someone who's had a heart attack or right. whatever. And so there's this dismissal and there's a lot of people who are suffering and I also think that because our country and our mental health system were not equipped to deal with people and, and get to the root of the problems. So there's the quick fix of giving you a medication, which I have taken medication. I took medication for years and it really helped me. So I am not here to say that, you know, I would be an advocate for medication. medication. At the same time, though, there needs to be um, there needs to be counseling and mm-hmm. things. And most insurances don't pay for enough of it. They you don't get, pay for enough of the medication, let alone the counseling. Yeah, it's like so. It's it, well, yeah, I know on my plan that I have now. I think mine will, will cover like twelve sessions. So that's three months if you go once a week mm-hmm. to a counselor. Yeah. I'm sorry, but. That's not enough. Right. That's just not enough. Right. And and so there's not, we're not equipped to help people really find the root of what's going on. And a lot of times, I mean, and I, I'm not going to get this statistic exactly right, but there's some crazy statistic out there that if you look at the population of like our prisoners, mm-hmm. right, like nine out of ten of the of the prisoners in jail, if you you can go and it's public record that they come from some kind of abusive background, mm-hmm. there was some kind of abuse, or the father's in jail, or there's some there's some something like that. Right. That is this systemic thing. Yeah. That that we that is out of control. Right. And and so for me. I feel like that is really in the top three of of the problems that that our country has. I don't know if it's so rampant in other countries. I mean, mental. I mean, you know, people get depressed. People have anxiety. There's there's and there's situational depression when it, something happens that's that's hard to deal with exactly. the loss of a parent or a child or a friend or a loss of a community for some reason even you know hurricanes and tornadoes that take out your entire community there's that all, can yeah those are all kinds of situational things that cause depression and there's usually an end to that right right but the the other systemic issues are not there's not an end to that right so i i don't have the answer to the problem but just when I think about what do I, because I mean, I, I look around and the people that I bump into, 
everybody. I mean, I don't, I can't think of hardly anybody who hasn't said to me, yeah, I have anxiety or I, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, there's just a lot of it. Yeah. And, and last week we talked about, or on last episode, we talked about community and what community is and, and what the purpose of a community is. And you said, you know, you don't know what the stats are in other countries, but I do know that here in America, we have kind of lost community mm-hmm. and, and that's a big part of it. And in other countries, there's families that live, multi-generational families right. that's, that live together under one roof or within a block or two of each other. Mm-hmm. And here in this country, we're so separated and spread out. Right. Well, and I, many of us have lost our community, whether that's our family members who've moved to other parts of the country or our church communities or our work communities. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of community loss and, and, and not just like lately, but over time, yeah. there has been the lack of um, understanding of how important community is. And I think that that's because we're very individualistic in we, this country. We really are. And part of that is this stupid little phone here. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, I just will talk to you. I'll text you. There's no human contact. Not there's no, but there's much less. Yeah. You know, and... Yeah, it's convenient and it's, you know, the phone and be able being able to text has made my life in some ways a lot easier because I am so busy. But, you know, part of that, I don't know that that's healthy. You right. know, it's it's more healthy to make a phone call and talk to the person. Yeah. So we've talked about, I mean, I think I've talked about a couple of these things on the podcast before, but a couple of things happened that sort of changed our mental health crisis or kind of put our mental health problems on the trajectory it is now. Mm-hmm. And one of them was, you know, Ronald Reagan kind of got rid of mental health um, stigma, if you will. Yeah. And so he wanted personal rights for people who were, um, you know, he stood for personal rights for people who were, uh, had mental illness. And so they, a lot of what was happening up until that point is that families were able to put family members into institutions without their consent. Oh. Right? And so Ronald Reagan believed that having consent was important and that people shouldn't just be put in these institutions against their will. And there was everything from like people in in wheelchairs or people, um, you know, babies born with um, like, cerebral palsy and those kinds of things. They were just put away. Yeah. That's, you know, I, I, yeah. And, and those kinds of places just existed where these children, primarily children, but a lot of people with other mental illness issues um, were just put away and they yeah, were mistreated. I, I actually have a relative that that happened to. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were mistreated. And so, of course, he felt like this was a stigma and that this was a personal rights issue and should be reversed. So what happened? So the people with mental illness issues who were in these institutions were given the freedom then to leave, mm-hmm. which is completely honorable but the more people that left, the less uh, value these these hospitals and institutions had. And so one by one, they closed, yeah. which meant that people who wanted to go in for 
mental health healing or treatment had no place to go. Right. So that's part of the issue is that there's fewer and fewer places to go. Um, the other problem is that, like you talked about with the systemic issues with families, is that instead of dealing with those, prisons are built um, based on the uh, number of children who are getting in trouble and being suspended from school as early as second, third, and fourth grade. So they look at, at, at issues with family, you know, with children. And, well, that's probably where the thing comes with what I just said, that, that you can look back and you can see that right. there's family stuff that's in a public record somehow. Right. And so they look at all these suspensions. Mm -hmm. And um, so the places where there's the most number, the, the biggest numbers of uh, high school, I mean, elementary school suspensions and discipline issues, that's where they decide to build prisons. Because prisons, it takes, what, 20 years or 16 years or whatever to go through the the process of getting, you know, the land and getting mm -hmm. the government to pay for it and making sure that they're, they've got enough staff. So it takes a very long time to build a prison, but that's how they decide where they're going to build it. It's based on elementary school suspensions. How did you learn that? Well, because I've done a lot of research into the zero tolerance policy, mm. which we have in this state, in the state of California. And I think that zero tolerance, zero tolerance was definitely one of those things that was the absolute worst thing to do to our kids. Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden you had kids who were t taking Tylenol to school and under zero tolerance were being expelled. Well, as soon as you have a child that's expelled from school, now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden they've got all this free time to get into trouble, and and if a kid gets in a fight at school, they're expelled or suspended for a long period of time, and if they're suspended, they they rarely go back, and if they're expelled, of course, then again they don't go back, right? You right. know, and so. Um, you know, zero tolerance, they thought it was a good thing. You know, we're just not going to put up with fights and all that kind of stuff. But these problems with these kids. Again, they're, they, not they're not addressed. They're not addressed. They're not addressed. They just put them out in, in a home where maybe they're being, they're not, they're even less safe than at the school. Maybe. That's not the case for yeah. all kids yeah. who are suspended yeah, yeah. and expelled. Yeah. But oftentimes they're, they're, a, they're in a less safe environment mm -hmm. at home mm -hmm. or their parents are working. And so now they've got all this free time to just run around and get into trouble. Right. And we've got children whose um, frontal you know, cortex is not yet developed. Mm -hmm. And so they don't understand cause and effect as well as an adult does. And so these issues are just building one upon the other. And, of course, our insurance companies also are complete. Right. You know, they, they should have no say in what kind of medications a doctor gives a patient, but they do. Right. You know, which also sucks. It, well, and a lot of times the doctors don't even understand the medications that they're prescribing because they've been given a little you know, ex explanation or whatever <laughs> from the drug rep. Well, the drug rep's not a doctor. I mean, I can say that my mom was a drug rep, and she was actually really, really smart and really knew her stuff. But I would hear stories, and you know, I don't know that um, I don't know that the doctor's given all the information from the drug rep. Now, I mean, if the doctor goes home and does their research, but does a doctor have time to go home and and 
spend hours learning about every single drug and blah blah. I mean, well, I don't no. know. I don't, I mean, well, I don't no. understand how all that works. Well, I, I mean, how can they? Right. You know, there's new drugs coming into existence constantly. And and so the drug reps they come in with their baseball hats and their tickets to the opera and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and the doctor's like, "Okay, I'll, you know, prescribe this." And, you know, it it just and they they may or may not work. Yeah. And they certainly like, you know, we saw in the opioid crisis that is just taken over this country, you know, we have so many issues, you know. We're going to get background music We're going to have background music. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, there's um, the mental health crisis is just absolutely Mm -hmm. off the charts. Yeah. So that's that's my, that's what, you know, came to my mind when you asked me that question earlier in the week. And so that, that's what came to my mind as something that upsets me. Yeah. You know, and because I've, I've been involved in it too. So I have experience in it. Right. You know, I mean, do I have mental illness? Probably. (laughs) Well, I mean, (laughs) don't we all, I mean, don't we all, you know, and that's, I think where the stigma comes is is all of us to say, gosh, I, you know, I was depressed for, you know, a a week. I was depressed for two decades. Right. I was probably longer than that, but you know, but I, I recognize it and I've worked really, really hard to not dismiss it and to get the help that I've needed. Right. But I also had the resources to get the help that I needed. Right. And a lot of people don't. Don't. So, so. What about you? Well, okay, so this lovely, this this conversation with this older man is what kind of, you know, uh, spawned this. And he said that in his mind, the most dangerous thing in this country is the hyphen. The hyphen. And, and, yeah, okay. And so, so what he meant by that is that here we are in this country that calls itself a melting pot. In the Pledge of Allegiance, we say one nation under, under God. God. You know, one nation. That's the emphasis where one nation, the under God part, wasn't added until the 50s. Right. But uh, right. here we are, this one nation. We talk about, you know, being a melting pot. And yet, we also use the hyphen to, to segregate ourselves. We're African Americans. Mexican hyphen Americans, Asian hyphen Americans, um, uh, Republican hyphen Americans. And so the hyphen, you know, separates us. It's a separator. So, yeah, it's, it's separate. But we put whatever we want to come first in our identity before the hyphen. So we're not an American who, who's, you know, who came from Italy. Yeah. I'm an Italian American. Right. Right. As opposed to just an American. Right. You know, and every time we take, you know, we we have to fill out forms. You know, they ask us, you know, what our background is and all that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. he felt like that was the most dangerous thing in America. And I just thought, you know what, that he's not he's not wrong. Mm -mm. And we get in trouble. We call ourselves a melting pot. And yet if you see a white woman that has dreadlocks she's appropriating. Yeah. You know, if you see a white man who's wearing an African inspired shirt, he's appropriating. Right. And 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 people don't want us to appropriate from their culture. I had a beautiful um uh Japanese 
style dress one time that I wore and um, I loved it. But a few years down the road, all of a sudden, I was accused of appropriating. Yeah, I, I had someone gave me a beautiful like a kimono thing. And, yeah. And I but this was recent. And and I said, why are you giving me this? She goes, well, I can't wear it. And I said, well, why? You know, and she said the same thing. It's appropriation. And I, well, I can't wear it either. Right. I can wear it around my house. Right. But even then, I mean, I, you know, and yeah, that's, I mean, I understand it. I didn't, I got to be honest. I didn't understand it at first. It, the cultural. It, it took me a minute to, to wrap my head around that because yeah. I think like, is it appropriating if I want to go to a Mexican restaurant? I mean, you, you well, it is. It is confusing, and I'm and, and listen. I am not dismissing this as saying that this is something that that no. we shouldn't be aware of. Oh, I, I because ab- absolutely. I absolutely am in defense we of. We really yeah, need to be aware. We of really it. need to be aware of it. On the other and yes, and mm-hmm. we also need to be. Uh, coming to the conclusion that we are ultimately one nation. And so are we going to defend one another because we're Americans? Or are we going to, you know, you saw so much Asian hate in the last few years. And you have seen older Asian people, especially the most vulnerable, you know, who have just been completely, it's horrific what has happened. But That's because of the hyphen, Mm -hmm. you know, that's because there has been so much banter Mm -hmm. about the segregation and about how this group is bad and that group is bad. And, you know, and so then that causes so much division. And I saw a a post on Facebook the other day that I briefly engaged in and then stepped away because I thought, okay, this is not, I I don't walk in your shoes, so I I ought not have this conversation. So I stepped away, but this is how it started. A white man, a very sweet, kind, gentle white man, suggested on Facebook that maybe next time women go to a football game that they should kneel during the Pledge of Allegiance and the, you know, the singing and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. as a protest against the reversal of Roe versus Wade. And an African-American woman said, no, you cannot kneel because that is for Black Lives Matter. That, that is ours. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can't kneel, no. And so I jumped in and I said, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could all come together and protest the things that are the wrong. things that are wrong in this country, and have some, you know, worldwide or countrywide protest, you know, the, where we all came together to protest. Sure. And she said, "Nope, nope." She said, "It's amazing how many white women all of a sudden want to kneel now, now that their rights are being taken away from them. They want to, you know, they want to kneel." And I said, "You don't know me." And I just want you to know that I have stood for BLM, for Black Lives Matter, since since the beginning of it. I have even lost friends because of that, because they feel like right. this is a violent movement. Right. And, you know, and I'm like, no, these are humans and we need to stand mm-hmm. and or kneel right. on their behalf. Right. But she said, nope, nope, nope. Find your own. Find your own way to protest. And so again, now now we're appropriating even a protest, mm-hmm. you know, and so I'm not in her shoes. 
I can't tell her she's wrong because she's not. She has her very valuable opinion and view. And I am not a black woman. Right walking and you know i'm not a mother of a black right, child right right you know who's, so it's so i can't walk it's, it's tricky tricky it's tricky but i thought gosh we can't even come together to protest mm-hmm. in this country and to stand and or kneel for one another right you know this is something that we can't do and it just it kind of breaks my heart and like I said, I'm not in her shoes, so I'm not going to say she's wrong because she's not. Right. But I wish that we could come up with some way to come together both mm-hmm. in support and protest. Yeah. It makes me think um, this week er, there were there were two things, but ooh, we, get, we really get to be serenaded today. <gasps> We're um, sorry. We hope that you can just ignore the piano in the background. <laughs> Maybe we'll just start singing. Yeah. Um, Fourth of July, I uh, had a little family gathering out at my sister's house. It was really fun. And they live close to where there was going to be a big firework display where a lot of people from the public drove. And, you know, depending on where you are, Maybe you get to, maybe you can see it from your house. I mean, they're right. that, they were close enough, but the way their yard is, there was a bunch of trees and we weren't sure if we were going to be able to see anything. Well, it turns out that she has this little kind of high top table sitting over here and literally where she had placed this table, we could see there was a hole and we could totally see the fireworks. That's awesome. Like it was just like, like a movie, like a little yeah. screen. <laughs> it was really cool. And so we're watching these fireworks and it's, you know, I haven't seen big fireworks in a couple of years because of COVID and, right. and um, it was fun to be out there with my dad and, and my mom and, and I, and I had this kind of overwhelming sense and I said it out loud. I said, you know, I wish that the fireworks made me happy to, to be here and be a part of our country and our, it, it doesn't feel happy necessarily to me. Right. And my dad looked at me and he said, I totally get that. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be a celebration of our country and our independence and blah, blah. And it felt anticlimactic to me, even though seeing the fireworks was really fun. It was fun and beautiful. And beautiful. And, yeah. and I always love to see the fireworks. I feel like I'm a little kid. Ah! Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> But to stop for a minute and think what it is we're celebrating and and where our country is and the things that are happening and the divisiveness and all of that, it kind of made me sad. I got to be honest. It kind of made me sad. And then the next morning, Tuesday morning, um, woke up and was watching the news with my husband and I left the house in tears on Tuesday morning. I watched the news for about... 20 minutes, which I rarely do because... Um, and of course they were covering the, the 4th of July parade shooting. They were covering that, which just totally made me upset. And then the thing that like really kicked it in was a story about the hunger crisis. Mm. Uh, in what co- There's a country in Africa, I want to say Sudan, I don't, I can't remember where. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, the images of starving people and them having to survive eating lily pads and everyone. I, I just, wow. Yeah. And I was like, okay, our our world, I mean, how, how do you... It's hard for me to not enter into it. Yeah. And it's hard for me to not... Pull out of it. Pull out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I have to pull out of it. Right. Because if I don't, I'm going to be a wreck all day, and then I'm good for nothing. And yet, you know, we need to be engaged in in, in some way. You know, they say, well, just vote. Well, okay, but, but we have... But we also have this information highway that has completely bowled people over with right. misinformation. Right. You know, and so and nobody can agree on what's true and what's not true. And that and and that that's is a huge problem. Huge. We can't agree on what's true and not true. Yeah. That and know? I and where where did that where did that exactly happen? After Walter Cronkite died. <laughs> Yeah, you know we need Walter back. Yeah, where's Walter? You know who just gave the news and the truth and the information and there was integrity and people and trusted him. Trusted him, and we didn't have a twenty-four hour news cycle. Right. See, that's the thing is that now we have these twenty-four hour news news channels yeah. again, scarecrows quotes. Yeah. And so now they're filling up all this space with all this junk. Right. You know, um, we were at a 4th of July gathering at a family member's house, and there were several teenagers there I, who I did not know. They were guests of one of the teenage kids. And um, so I never got introduced to them. I have no idea who they were, um, which I thought was a little bit weird that we never knew their names. But <laughs> as we're sitting there at the table, you know, eating, eating, I'm like, I don't know who you are, but welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, but one of them was wearing a Let's Go Brandon t-shirt, which, oh. of course, is absolutely a slam on, you know, President Biden. And it reminded me that when I was... A teenager was wearing A teenager. He's 15 or 16. So that means his parents saw him walk out the door. I know that these kids well, the have autonomy. Probably, the parents probably bought it for him. Bought it for him, right. Ew. Uh, no. <laughs> well, it's frustrating because here's why it's frustrating. is because For me. Here's why it's frustrating for me. When our kids were young, Bill Clinton did some rather debaucherous things in the White House. Well, it depends <laughs> on what the definition of is. Of his is. <laughs> and so there were things that involved cigars and pizzas. And um, I remember one of my children telling a cigar joke you know, at the president's expense at the dinner table. And I said, I would really rather you not repeat that joke again. And here's why. It's not because it's not funny. It's because even though the president has done some questionable things and has had some questionable behaviors, um, I, I want the office of the presidency to still have our respect. Yeah, To still have our respect. Absolutely. And um, I feel like the last six years, that that respect, the, the person, you know, in the White House, our previous president, sort of just blew that, you yeah, know? Yeah. Because he didn't always, you know, the names he called, he called, you know, Rosie O'Donnell names, and he mm -hmm. caused, you know, he called Joe Biden names, and he, he I mean, 
uh, uh, innocent yeah. immigrants. He caused he, he, horrible, he, he horrible he, names, he, called he them a, names. So he gave us permission, especially our children, he gave them permission to just say whatever they, say want. Whatever they want and be as disrespectful as you want to be, right. right? And call people horrible names. And so when I saw this kid wearing this shirt, I just thought, first of all... Did you say anything? No, I didn't say anything because... You know, I yeah, thought I know. Our, the whole idea is to come together on 4th of July. Yeah. So what I thought was, first of all, the parents are clearly not respecting the office of the presidency. Clearly. You know, which even though I didn't agree with hardly anything Donald Trump said or did, I did recognize that he was the president of the United States and I did everything in my power to try to protect the integrity right. of that office. Well, I actually... I can honestly say that I said prayers for him. I did too. I mean, I did too. All I, and, the time. And I never prayed that he would die or anything like that. Never, never. I, I, I prayed. I and just, I pray now for for, for Biden yeah, as well. For, and I for, prayed for Clinton. For and I prayed for Reagan to mm -hmm. do to make the right decisions for the people who are in charge to make the right decisions. I don't know if my prayers mean a damn thing, right. but I, for me, it's important as those things come up in me. Well, and what prayer does for me, especially when I'm praying for, like the Bible says, pray for your enemies, especially as I pray for people who have wounded me, specific mm -hmm. people in my life who have wounded me, mm -hmm. but also the president who, with whom I may or may not agree. What it does is it keeps me from being, it keeps me, it keeps the anger at bay. Sure. It keeps the disappointments at bay. Sure. Because when you, you can't, you can't hate somebody that you're praying for, you know? Right. And so I do that for me to keep me from, from being super angry um, with, with whatever's with happening. With whoever. I mean, yeah. that, it could it, be anybody. could be anybody. And so it, it frustrated me that this family allowed their child to go to a stranger's home <laughs> wearing with a, with a potentially offensive kind of a yeah, garment not on. knowing who was going to be there. Right. And so that was number 1. Number 2, it is 4th of July. The whole idea of this celebration is that we come together as one nation right. to celebrate this this very flawed and very young country. Mm -hmm and that we stand under the banner of this flag that gives us the permission to kneel, that gives us the permission to stand and put a hand over our heart, mm -hmm. that gives us permission to not stand and put a hand over our heart. And you can find that offensive when people don't pledge allegiance to this symbol, but that symbol gives us the freedom Absolutely. to not put our hand over our heart or to do it with the utmost respect. Right. And because it gives us that freedom, that is probably reason enough to put your hand over your heart and pledge allegiance to it. But let's not forget that the person standing next to us may decide that kneeling is the best way to draw attention to what's happening in this country. Mm -hmm. And that's okay because that flag gives them the permission to, to, do, do, to so. do so. That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, again, it just makes me think of how sad I was watching those silly fireworks. It was like, wow, this is, this, this is, I don't know, we, 
we have a mess. We do. We have a mess. We, we kinda, and we're, we kind of have a mess. And, and for me, the only way for me personally to rise above it is just in my own personal life, on my own, in my own personal day, minding my own personal business. Yeah. Being kind, doing the right thing. Right. Holding the door open for somebody, whatever it is. Um, but just knowing that doing the things and making the decisions in my day that when I go to bed at night, I know I've, I've been kind. And, yeah. You know, I don't know what else to do. When I saw <laughs> that Clarence Thomas literally said, we need to look at all the rights that are not specifically laid out in the Constitution and reevaluate whether or not those rights should be there. I just thought, what is this man saying? Right. You know, what is happening in this country? What is happening with the Supreme Court? You know, where they're literally going to reevaluate the rights of, I mean, Clarence Thomas, who's black and is married to a white woman, right. that was not in the Constitution. Absolutely. He was only three-fourths of a person. Well, and I read some posts, and it's true. I mean, she could hold him as a slave. Right. If we went back. Right. Right. And so it's very, you know, you just you just want to say, wait a minute, let's let's look at how far we've come. I saw this picture that just broke my heart of these Afghani women from Afghanistan in the 1970s. They looked like they all looked like Mary Tyler Moore with their little with their long, dark hair kind of flipped Beautiful, up on the ends lovely. with their lovely little 1970s polyester dresses. And here they were going to school and then. ISIS took over. And ISIS, who is a, a completely corrupt, religious, religious set. And now you see the women in Afghanistan. Of course, we were there for 20 years and we pulled out and people died and it was awful. But this religious sect of leaders mm -hmm. has completely changed the trajectory of those people's lives. Right. And you look at Afghani women in the 70s just going to school, living their lives, compared to the women of today who are completely covered from head to toe and can't drive and can't go to school. And, you know, it just is, is frightening. You think it can't happen here? It might be. We have a very ultra-religious sect that is trying to change the direction of this country yeah. and the freedoms of this country. Yeah. And we need to fight against that. And we really need to fight against it. And the Constitution, of course, abortion isn't in the Constitution because women did not vote. And while we've talked about abortion on the show before, and both of us would be anti-abortion, mm -hmm. but pro-choice totally. for everybody else who wants to make that choice. Absolutely. And as I have shared before, I had an abortion that I personally regret. I regret it. But, but I also, or not but, but and, mm -hmm. and I recognize that my life would have been very different. And, and I like the life that I've built. Um, that gave me more choice. Right. So while I wonder about that baby and, and wish that I had been braver at the time, I also recognize that this was a very personal choice for me, and it needs to be a personal choice for other for other women. Right. And and I, I see our voter laws just they're making it harder and harder and harder for people to vote. And and it seems like it's 
people of color because it's in these poor, you know, uh, neighborhoods and whatnot. And we have got to 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 take out the hyphen. Mm-hmm. And if 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 you want to con- keep that hyphen and be an African American, a Mexican American, an Italian American, that's okay. But we also need to recognize that it's this country, the big umbrella under which the American flag flies, that gives us the freedom to keep the hyphen, whether it's in a last name or an ethnic description. Right, right, right. You know? And so many women hyphenate their last names. Yep. And, you know, that's a choice that people make. And that flag gives us the freedom to do that. But our freedoms are being stripped away. They really are. They really are. And, and, and it's important to understand. And there's a lot of religious people that are celebrating because it seems like the return of Jesus is imminent. And so let's just keep going down this path so that we can, what, manipulate Jesus to come sooner? That's what it feels like. Well, they'll be in big shock and surprise when they're not, they find out that they can't do that. Right, you right. Know, we I can't mean, manipulate God to can't. to make any kind of decisions, you know. And He's Why would given you us want to right. And He's given us the freedom. You know what He gave us the freedom for? In my understanding of who God is, God gave us the freedom so that we can be a servant to others. Mm-hmm. And Jesus. The, Jesus modeled that exact thing. Yes, he did. He was the prince who came to serve. That's exactly right. So and you know to, what? And to love. Yeah, to serve and to love. We got it backwards, people. <laughs> so We absolutely do. Because we need to be selfless mm-hmm. and not selfish. Mm-hmm. And um, we need to just recognize the value in that woman who is right outside your door, who has no teeth. Yeah. You know, who's outside the studio so much of the time. I know her. She is valued. Yeah. She's a valuable she... member of this world. And the fact that she has mental illness does not make her any less valuable. Nope. It makes her life hard. But it doesn't diminish her value. As a human. Exactly. <sighs> Have we solved any problems today, Liz? I think global, <laughs> globally, no. But, you know, I'll just say this. We have these conversations. And what some of these conversations do for me personally, even though maybe we don't have a, a conclusion or a, or a solution, it, it always um, validates in me the things that I know I should be doing personally. Right. You know? Right. And, and it encourages me to know that other people are also yeah. wanting to be good. Yeah. 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 So so I think that if there's a point to dancing with skeletons, it's to to come to conclusions about who we want to be and the kind of people that we want to be. Yeah. And how we want to represent our spirituality mm-hmm. and our love and um and recognizing that we failed miserably many times many times but, but we want to make a, a choice to wake up today and yep. tomorrow and the day after tomorrow making better choices exactly so we love you and um we'll see you next time come dance with us yep <laughs>